welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel. And you might remember, if you listened last week, that November is National Career Development Month. Well, we believe that produce retail can be a phenomenal career, and so we are dedicating one more episode to that topic. This week's conversation, which, like last week's, originally published on the Produce Talent Podcast, features Rick Stein. Rick is the Vice President of Fresh Foods at FMI, the Food Industry Association, Before Rick joined FMI in 2014, he spent more than 20 years at Safeway in a number of different leadership roles across marketing, merchandising, and operations, and he's overseen all sorts of large-scale special projects. And so with his experience, we're excited to get his perspective on what's really a large-scale opportunity for produce, which is bringing people into the industry and helping them see the big opportunity of a career in it. So in this conversation, Rick discusses expectations of the Gen Z workforce, considering pay and benefits and schedules and training uh, that can help with retention, storytelling around what it means to work in the grocery industry, and much more. So without further ado, we'll turn it right over to our conversation with Rick. Rick, thank you so much for being here today and welcome to the podcast. Ashley, thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Excellent. So Rick, I'm going to start you off with a really easy question, but I find a really interesting one that we like to explore on this podcast in particular, which is how did you get started in the grocery industry? (laughs) It goes back quite a ways. But when I first got into the supermarket industry, it was a great job. As a matter of fact, people were lined up to try and get a job at a supermarket. Supermarkets at the time that I, and this was early, early 70s, um, paid much more than minimum wage. And so, you know, things have evolved over the course of time. But back then, you were lucky if you could get a job at a supermarket, because then you had gas money and you could afford things. And and so um, for me, it was a little bit about the compensation. I enjoy people. So working at retail was a lot of fun for me. Um, you know, I enjoyed talking to customers and talking to colleagues and And so it ended up what I thought was going to be a part-time job while I was in high school and then in college turned into a career that lasted more than 40 years. Wow. And we could probably, we could probably go on for a while about all the things that are, are, that make it different now, right? In terms of, like you said, it used to be where working at a grocery store was a really desirable job versus now it's like, it's what I hear from folks across the board is it can be a struggle to get people in and, and keep those people. So what do you think? So I'll let you be the judge, uh, Rick, of how much is, is productive forward looking as far as what's changed and how we can leverage that. But what do you think currently are some of the biggest obstacles to kind of getting people in the door from a recruiting standpoint? Well, w- one of the things I think about in recruiting help for retail it's probably not much different than a lot of other industries. Right now, there's a shortage of arms and legs that are are going into the workforce. And the pandemic really impacted that a lot. A lot of people ended up leaving the workforce and now they're being very judicious about what they wanna re-enter and how they wanna re-enter. And so it's just a challenge right now. I think we did some work with Deloitte um, we called it, you know, a new study that examines the future of the workplace in the food industry. And 44 percent 
said that the number one issue is finding people that will that, that are ready to take the jobs. And I think that's true across many, many industries. It's not, you know, we hear about this in transportation. We hear about it in real estate. We hear definitely hear about it in traditional food service, restaurants and things of that nature. So I don't think that's any different than any other industry is just finding the people that that are ready to step up and take a job. One of the unique things about retail, though, that is different from some other jobs is if you're going to be working in the stores, um, stores are open 365 days a year and seven days a week. And so that doesn't always appeal to everyone. So one of the things as an industry that we're changing and, and, and the, you know, our, our uh, future work kind of talks about this um, at FMI, um, it talks about the being flexible and being able to adjust schedules and things of that nature, doing some things for the current workforce that makes it more attractive. And what are some of the kind of best practices you've seen in terms of how to, whether it's adjusting schedules or some of those tactical things, like you said, that, that can signal to folks who, like you said, might be looking around at their different options and think, okay, I'd really like more flexibility. How how do I know if this is going to look like that or not? Well, I think they're looking at a range of things. I don't think there's any single silver bullet. So I think part of this is looking at benefits, looking at compensation, looking at bonuses and flex time, definitely looking at training and, and providing skills. Um, no one wants to go into a job where they don't feel like they're set up to be successful. So these are things that are, you know, that our industry is starting to double down on and really starting to emphasize, even if it means signing bonuses and things of that nature. Um, there's all kinds of tactics that they're using to attract people. But what I hear more and more from our members is they want an employee that wants to work and wants to enjoy the career. So for a, for a portion there, I think they were ready to take a warm body. And I think they've moved on from that because that's a huge expense onboarding uh, personnel. So they're looking for people that are interested uh, in a career in retail. And one of the challenges for, for the supermarket industry is so often people view the supermarket industry, the perception is you're gonna be working in a store, you're either gonna be stocking shelves or checking out customers. I mean, you can't turn on any news media where they show the supermarket and that's what they show. They show somebody's side. But, but our industry is filled with careers and most of the people in all these different tangents um, started it at a store, but moved on to many other aspects within the industry and really flourished. And I think that's part of the job that the supermarket industry has to do. They have to convey that it's more than just working in a store. You know, we have real estate departments, we have engineering, we have transportation, we have supply chain, we have legal counsel, we have all kinds of, uh, of different uh, uh, areas that you can, you can pick once you're in the industry. And, you know, I think if you look at the supermarket industry and you look at some of the executive leadership across the board, I can't tell you how many started by stocking a shelf or working a produce department or something of that nature. And then it, be, it became a career. I, I said to you, I started off 
just as a part-time job and it became a career because I loved the industry. I loved the people and I loved all the different things I was able to do. Well, and it's, it's such a familiar story, like you said, because I, I can't count how many directors of produce, VPs of produce, you know, the produce is the area that I talk with folks most, of course, and they say the exact same thing. They say, well, I've started in high school. This is my part-time job to help me pay for college. And I just liked it so much that I didn't want to leave. And now it's 30 years later and they've built this incredible career with people that they enjoy in an industry that's fascinating and different every single day. I mean, I, I think storytelling is a big part of it, like you're saying, right? Where it's like what people see on TV or people's only exposure is, is what's happening right there in the store in the moment. And they don't realize there's this whole infrastructure of all kinds of different possibilities. It is about communicating the opportunities. One of my favorite stories is I remember, and this goes again a ways back, but we had this woman that was working in our um, office cafeteria. She was literally there for breakfast and lunch um, every five days a week. And at the same time, she was going to school and she was learning commercial real estate. And long story short, she stayed with our organization and ended up being the director of real estate uh, for our division and ended up going on to corporate. And so she often said tongue in cheek, well, I started my career in the cafeteria, but here she had a completely different role, but she just fell in love with the company, fell in love with all the things that we do and, and decided to keep her career there. So. I think those are the type of stories that need to be told. Those are the type of stories that make people realize it's more than just a manual uh, labor job, that there's a lot of opportunity. And we'll come back to how do we tell that story in a second, but you mentioned training earlier. So that's another thing I wanted to touch on is what are the things that make it hard to keep people in once they've gotten in and kind of got their feet wet in the business? I know you mentioned onboarding, training being some things that that retailers are really doubling down on um how do you see see the landscape there right now are 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 folks where they need to be you know with those programs established or is there a lot of um you know kind of growth happening in that now or, or where do you see it you know at fmi we're the trade association that represents supermarket retail and all of our members are doubling down on training and opportunities to uh, give the skills that their folks need, but they see it as a strategic initiative. They don't share a lot on that. They don't want, uh, they see that if I can train and retain employees better, I become an employer of choice. Mm-hmm. And so they're very strategic about it and they're very secretive about it. But you are seeing some changes. You know, um, there was the old traditional computer based training where you sat at a, desks either in an office or in the back of a store and you answered questions a b and c and you saw a module i think they've moved on from that you know there's a younger generation now that learns visually we're seeing training programs that are being put on phones uh the ability to see short videos that exemplify what what uh folks should be doing so we're seeing a lot of movement in the training and as i said earlier training is an expensive proposition so this goes back to the original hiring you really have to as much as you need arms and legs you really want to take candidates that have an aptitude and a a desire that you know it's aptitude and attitude 
And I would probably venture more on the attitude at the very beginning. If you have the attitude that I want to work and I think this would be a good career for me and I want to learn more about it and I'm willing to learn things, I think that's the type of candidate you're looking for. And then you have to set them up for success. You know, the, the number one reason people leave is they feel like they weren't set up for success. And, and so they feel like, um, you know, or you haven't been able to accommodate some of their personal needs. And so I think we're seeing our retailers do a lot of pivoting now with the new workforce to, to, to be an attractive and be an employer of choice. I, I remember, you know, when I first went into the food industry, my dad told me, he goes, that's a good choice because people always have to eat. And when I think of the different industries that have come and gone over the long term that I've been in the industry, he was right. You know, um, supermarkets still exist today. They're becoming much more technologically advanced. We're seeing the, you know, online ordering, things like that. And young people love technology. And so they have an aptitude for that. And they can go into an organization and be very additive to that organization with their bright ideas. Absolutely. Well, so a couple of things with what you just said. I was just chatting with a couple of folks the other day who, like yourself, have been in the industry for quite a while. And they said the same thing. They said, listen, neither one of us has ever gotten laid off. We've never had a hard time finding our next job when we decided it was time for the next chapter. We've had lots of opportunity for, you know, growth throughout our careers. And they said, quite frankly, if someone, you know, really wants to work and, and finds it interesting, they could probably advance a lot faster than we did back then. Because like you said, there's more of a waiting period to kind of, you know, move up the hierarchy and that sort of thing. Um, and then, uh, then the other part of it too, um, as you were saying, there's, there's just so many, so many opportunities that, that people don't see when they walk into the grocery store, right? Like with you talking about technology and, and online grocery, I think of the the personalization of marketing, right? And all the different channels that grocers have now to, to reach the consumer directly and how you can really get pretty granular with some of these loyalty programs and specialized offers and, you know, connect with folks across all these different platforms. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot there just in that one there little is. segment. Well, just think about how many of our retailers now are using social media as a mechanism to uh, market and even even from job postings to marketing their merchandising and things like that. Well, they don't have people my age working in the social media part. So it's, a, again, another part of the industry that people can come into and really be additive and help retailers uh, attract customers, attract talent. Uh, and use their skill set to enhance that. Now, thinking about um, about kind of the the labor challenge for grocery in general, which you mentioned is is not something dissimilar from what a lot of industries are dealing with right now. Um, when I was at the the retail conference in Chicago that the IFPA um, International Fresh Produce Association puts mm -hmm. on here a month or so ago. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of conversation about labor and we were looking at it from a couple different kind of angles, which is one kind of the education part, the, the training, the onboarding, some of those things we discussed. And then on the operational side too, again, like you mentioned, how do you work flexibility into these structures that have stayed pretty similar over the years in, in some ways? And so I wanted to, to get your perspective on, you know, how much of this is the education, the training, how much of this is like a giant HR effort and kind of dissecting, well, here's the ways that we've 
you know, done things over the years, here's some ways where we might be able to change things that we didn't really think were changeable up until we really had to kind of start getting creative with it here a few years ago with the pandemic and everything. You know, at FMI, we partnered up with uh, St. Joseph's uh, University and through the uh, Gerald Peck Fellowship, we worked with uh, uh, Dr. Baskin on, you know, the things that you would have to do to attract the Gen Z, um, you know, employee and how, how do you how do you accommodate them? And you, you talked a lot about it in your in your question to me. You know, one of the things they're looking for is flexibility. They're looking for the opportunity to grow. It's almost the first thing they ask. And, and probably not just in the supermarket industry, you go to any industry and they'll say the Gen Z's that have onboarded, the first thing they're asking is, what's my next move? And so retailers have started to be more thoughtful about laying out career plans and showing them that career tree that you can go off in this area or this area or this is the next step in the area you're in even if it's in operations you know um when i was with safeway there were many produce managers that went on to be store managers that went on to be district managers that then ended up going backstage and got roles there so there's definitely a growth pattern but we weren't always articulating that tree and so I think the retailers are really doing a better job now as they begin to onboard people to show them there are growth opportunities. The other thing you want to do in, in some of our best retailers that have great reputations for hiring, they do a good job of interviewing candidates and saying, what are your needs? You know, if you're a single mom and you have daycare during the day and you can't work evenings, is there a shift available for you in the middle of the day? And, and, and if you find the right components of part-time work and full-time work, you can make sure your store is fully staffed, make sure your customers receive a great experience and you're meeting the needs of your, of your workforce. So I think that's become much more important. That wasn't the case when I, when I joined, you know, when I, back in the seventies, this was your shift. And, you know, if you were new, you had to work, you know, till midnight every Friday and Saturday night. So that wasn't great for the uh, dating scene or the party scene, but it was a, it was a good job and I did it. That that doesn't count now. You got to really be able to, you know, articulate the expectations to the candidate, say this is what we expect from you and this is what we're willing to do for you. And, and that came out in that study that we did with St. Joseph's, this ability to be flexible and meet individual needs. And then when you can't meet them, you just need to be upfront and say, this is what we expect and this is what we're going to need. And as long as you're somewhat flexible and able to accommodate most of what they want, they're looking for a good career. They, they want to earn good money and they want to work for, you know, many of the retailers come from these long family businesses, you know, and, and they have great reputations of having a family atmosphere where you work. And so I think there's a lot to be said that makes it attractive to go into the supermarket industry. And when you were talking about this, this youngest generation, something that I was wondering about in terms of kind of on the, the benefits and flexibility um, and even career path side of it is I know something that is, is on, on my mind is, is so I'm, I'm early thirties. So I'm, I'm out of college, but I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, like, for this next generation with inflation and college is even more expensive, I imagine there's probably retailers looking at, you know, some tuition reimbursement or things like that, which is another kind of perk they can offer and kind of alongside like, 
look at this pathway, like these are some things that you could do over here if you don't want to go get a degree or if you do, you could stay with us, you know, as you pursue that. And then when you come out the other side, these are all the other things that open up too. Is is there some of that going on as well? Yeah, that continues as well as certificate programs where you, um, you know, people want to feel like they're accomplishing things. Over the course of my career, once I got out of college, my my employer put me through all kinds of courses and, and sort of, uh, certificate programs, leadership programs, uh, communication programs, um, financial programs, things of that nature. I think each individual company has those opportunities available. And that goes again to the onboarding process and monitoring your workforce to say, what are your needs and how can we accommodate you and what can we put in place? It is so much more expensive to find a new employee than to retain a current one. And so our, our retailers are, are very much in the, in the mode of what will it take to keep you and how do we groom you? Because they're, you know, there's a lot of folks that are my age that are starting to get ready to exit the industry. And, and so they're looking to fill those voids with really talented people. And, you know, the young folks have tremendous talents. Um, that when you tap into them, it's it's just amazing what they can provide to an organization. Well, and I know we've we've talked a little bit um, in in this conversation already, but the grocery industry, and again, of course, my my background is is produce specific, but I think grocery pretty broadly. There's such a cool story to tell because it really is. It's like the ultimate resource, right? It's like you're setting people up to feed their families. You're you know, finding, finding value for them in places, right. Or exposing them to, to cool new things that they can bring home. And again, it's, it's, it really is a very kind of family centric, like you said, a lot of family businesses historically in grocery. And then I think a lot of that comes through in the environments of a lot of these places. So when we think about communicating to, I guess, people broadly, right. Why they should consider a career in grocery when they're looking at their next, um, you know, step they're looking to take. Where do you think are the channels that we should be telling that story? Because I, you know, I, I see sometimes the benefits listed on the chalkboard sign outside of the store, right? Yeah. Every now and then I do see like a, a trade article about what people are doing to try and retain and things like that, which like you said, is is a, a little surprising, maybe indicative of where folks are at in terms of really wanting to attract talent. Because a lot of times, like you said, that's seen as a competitive advantage, but where do you think are the places to, to tell these stories? Yeah, I think you have to meet them where they're at. And so I think you really want to be able to work closely with uh, education systems. And, and I'm talking, you know, from the high school level, even into the college level, and maybe even before high school, there should be programs that introduce people to what it means to work for a supermarket and dismiss this idea that all you're going to do is stock shelves or, 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 or be a cashier. I think there's a, a lot of programs that are in place. A lot of our leading retailers have programs with community colleges, local high schools, things of that nature. And that's where that talent pool is going to be. Um, so I think that's one opportunity. I started to grin when you started to ask this question because you started talking about, you know, what makes it, you know, a, a, a great industry to join. And I always think about how proud we were in times of need. So, you know, we have all kinds of, you know, climate disasters and, 
you know, whether there's a hurricane or an ice storm or things of that nature. And on almost every single case, you'll see the supermarket industry highlighted as a hero because they provide the community food, you know, that's a vital need. Even in the most recent, um, you know, the, that tragedy in Kentucky with all the floods, um, you're seeing that the supermarket industry is coming to the, to the rescue. We saw it in hurricanes down in Florida and in the Gulf. Um, and it gives you a sense of pride. I remember uh, when I was at retail, I remember we would drive through, it was crazy what we would do to get to the store so that we could work and we'd sleep in the back room and things like that. And, you, and people would look here, are you crazy? And you said, no, because the community was so appreciative. And if you like people, you're gonna hear back from your customer base about how much value you provided them when they were in need. Um, whether it's putting trucks out with water when that's scarce and things of that nature. So um, I think those are some of the things you wanna explain when you're starting to recruit. I think there is a way to appeal to someone's emotional sense that say, this is, this is a pretty cool career. It, it, you, you have to think of it in a much broader sense as opposed to just stocking and checking. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. I was even thinking about, like you mentioned, the, the education channels, I think, are, are a huge opportunity because I'm trying to remember, you know, some of the different like classes in high school because I know there was like a intro to law or like different things, you know, but I thought there's surely even some existing structures where, you know, if you're the local retailer, you call around and just to the high school in your area say, hey, do you guys have like a career day that we could send somebody to speak at, right? And each year you you bring a couple different people or something like, and yeah. I, I know that's a kind of a grassroots approach, right? But even things like that, I would imagine, you know, could be effective on a small scale. And then if you have a bigger, more organized yeah. effort, then that's great too. And you never know when it's going to resonate. You never know when, you know, I, I remember going to community colleges and universities and speaking about the food industry and stuff like that. And that after the session, people would come up to me and ask me a hundred questions, you know, what, what's this? I, there was, there was real interest. So I think there is an opportunity. The other thing I'll remind you, and I, I'm not going to drop any of our members names because I don't want to single anyone out, but if you go back, let's just say more than a decade and look at every year at the top employers to work for, look at the top 10. I almost could guarantee you in the top 10, you're going to find three supermarkets almost every year. They may be a different three, but, um, and that's against everything. That's against working for Apple and Microsoft and, you know, working for a real estate company or working for a trucking company. And that's because when retailers do figure it out and they get really good at it, they have a very happy employment uh, employee base. They're happy with their jobs. They feel like they're, they're being treated well. They feel like they're providing uh, society a, 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 you know, a service that's needed. And so, you know, I always tell people, you'd be surprised at how many supermarkets are at the top of that list of you want to go work for them. That's very true. Well, and, and one thing that I do hear also when I talk to folks, even on like the store level is the camaraderie, the opportunity to get to talk to people during the day, whether it's, you know, your, your teammates there in the store, whether it's the customers that you get to know and they come in and they're telling you about what they made and the recipes that they're working on and all these kind of things. Like it really is in, you know, in a day and age when 
so often we're on our phones and we're on the computer and we're on the tablet and all these different things, like the human connection that's available if you're working in grocery and even on, you know, the corporate level, but especially in a store, I think it's hard to find in some other places. And like you said, it is such an essential part of things that I think there, there is just that opportunity, the frequency with which people are coming in, you know, there's an opportunity for connection that you don't necessarily find in everything else. Ashley, I have lifetime friends. I started in the supermarket industry in 1972 and three or four times a year, there's about eight of us from that, that year of 1972 that get together. Oh we, we still exchange Christmas cards. We still know each other's family. They became lifelong friends. And, and I'm sure that's true. I, I bet you if you tapped into the supermarket industry, your colleagues, are, you, you create great relationships with your colleagues. I created great relationships with customers. There were customers that I still know to this day um, that, you know, uh, remember me as the kid that put bags in their car. So um, it's, it's really funny, you know, my, my wife used to joke when we first got married, she goes, how many customers did you have? Cause we'd be somewhere and someone would stop and say, Hey, Rick, how are you? You know, I haven't seen you since you worked at store so-and-so. So it, it is a great, um, I, I think it's a great career. I, I'm a big, obviously I'm a big proponent of it, but I think that's the job of our industry is to try and get that communication across to let talent know that they can come in. And now there's so many opportunities. You know, there's so many different opportunities, so many different avenues that new employees can take once they get a fundamental understanding of the business. And I think that's 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 what's going to make it a, even uh, a greater industry as we go forward. And thinking about the the school system approach, like what you mentioned earlier, are there kind of frameworks in, in place for how to to go about that or to start making those relationships like is there kind of a manual for like, here's a step-by-step how you could do this in your area out there? I, I don't know if there's a manual, but I don't think it's that difficult. Most of the retailers have, a, have an office or a headquarters in their local communities. It's just a matter of outreach to that local college to say, hey, we would like to participate in some kind of format where we can explain a supermarket career. And, and colleges and universities and community colleges, they're all in favor of that. They want to bring value from their, their college to their students, and that's one way to do it. And, and supermarkets won't be the only industry that's presenting, but I think it's a great opportunity. I don't know if there's a manual, but I don't think it's that difficult. Yeah. Awesome. Well, because I was thinking the the sort of challenge but opportunity at the same time is there's so many different ways to reach people now right so you have schools you have things like TikTok. you could have as a retailer you could you know yeah hire your your youngest person of your social media team and say okay here's your list of the the 45 people you're going to talk to this year and do little 10 second videos with them on what they do favorite part of their job you know there's so many different ways to communicate that. So that's, I think, a a really cool opportunity is from the, yeah. And actually think about it. Supposing you got a job at a supermarket, um, you know, 10 years ago, and and now you're in your your early 20s, and um, you're working in a produce department, and the store manager comes up and says, hey, the the office called, and they're trying to develop a, a, a social media campaign to attract talent and they tap you to say 
could you help us? And that's in your wheelhouse. Let's just say that's like your sweet spot. You're like, that is so cool. I would love to help out that you can actually do that internally and build those programs up from the people that you've hired. They, they understand how that's communicated and they understand how their peers and friends, you know, interact with social media in different formats. So I think our retailers are using their own employee base to come up with some of these ideas. Well, and how perfect too, because I think that dovetails right into retention, recognition, and appreciation of your people that you have currently, right? And letting them be part of bringing in the next generation and explaining what they enjoy about their job. I mean, that's something too that I've seen is like so many of these people, especially at store level, um, you know, they're not necessarily getting that recognition on a broader scale, right? Or, Or maybe even internally on a real frequent basis. So any opportunity that there is to kind of bring people into those larger efforts or say, hey, you're a great example of the people we want to hire, you know, will you be in this video for us or, you know, do this little Q&A? I mean, that works so well, you know, for on multiple different fronts, I think. I I think of it as a two-pronged kind of approach. One is I want to engage that new employee, give them opportunities to grow. The other prong, though, is I think I look at my store managers and my leaders and I have to constantly double down and reinvest in leadership with them because you're only, you know, in every case where we had really successful stores, we had successful leaders and those successful leaders groomed employees and gave them opportunities. And those employees then ran with it. And whether they stayed in that store or moved on to another store or moved into a, a career within the organization, they always come back and say, well, my mentor, this store manager, you know, A, did a great job of motivating me. So retailers spend a lot of time teaching leadership and, and mentoring their leaders to continue to help their employees flourish. And, and it makes so much sense. And I, I love hearing you say that when folks are thinking about onboarding and training, like leadership, communication, you know, some of those things are are what's being covered, not just the, the physical skills of whatever their job in the grocery store are, because one of the things, again, back to produce, you know, that I'm always amazed by is I think of the job of a produce manager, and I'm sure it's the same across meat or deli or, you know, other departments of the store is, you've got so much going on in this one role where you're talking about, you know, the business side of it, the physical, you know, beautiful merchandising side of it, the customer service side of it. And then the people management, like leadership, that's a whole nother deal, right? So being able to have the bandwidth to to help and develop these folks in all those different capacities, like it makes sense. It's great for your business. It's great for keeping people around. It's, It's really encouraging, you know, hearing about the investments that folks are making in that. And I don't know if it's still true. I think it probably is. If it's not number one, it's in the top three. But whenever we looked at losing an employee, we would try to do an exit interview. Mm -hmm. And in almost every case, compensation was not the number one reason. The number one reason was not feeling valued. And so when an employee doesn't feel valued, they get disenfranchised. And then that yields a bunch of other things. And before you know it, they're no longer interested in working for you. So I think it, you know, good leadership allows their members to feel valued. And I think that's still an important piece to retaining employees. And as I mentioned earlier, 
uh, retaining employees a fraction of the cost of trying to onboard a, an employee. So you, you're you're much better off doing the things you need to do to retain, um, so that you're not constantly in the cycle of having to recruit. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, Rick, anything that you think we've missed or anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I, the only thing I'd add is I had a wonderful career. I know many people have. When I'm out in stores, whether I'm shopping or just visiting a retailer, I love chatting with the employees. And um, I see a lot of bright young people working in the supermarket industry. And it always makes me it makes me feel warm and fuzzy because I just love seeing that people are going into that as a career. So that was my conversation with Rick Stein. I hope you've enjoyed these last two episodes focused on talent. I think both of them have some excellent takeaways for leaders at all levels in produce retail. Thank you so much as always for listening. And we will see you again next week on the Produce Retail Podcast. <laughs>